Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Carol Masser. On demand via our Bloomberg Radio Plus app. Free for iPhone and Android devices. Oh my God, this is a lot of drama for a Friday. Uh, yes, that tune chosen by one of our next guests, uh, Vinny Catalano. He's president, global investment strategist at Blue Marble Research, joining us in our Taking Stock studio. Also with us on the phone from uh, Pittsburgh, we'll soon be talking with uh, also Linda Dissel, senior equity strategist and senior portfolio manager at Federated Investment Management. But Vinny, we're going to kick it off with you, Les Miserables. <laughs> yeah. I can't well, speak French, so, so yeah, forgive me, a, everybody. Yeah, it's a little bit of a dramatic uh, uh, overemphasis. But there of, is drama out there? Uh, there is, well, I, I wouldn't say so much drama as actually the, 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 the words that are being sung about look down. Uh, the caution is much greater out there in uh, professional investor land than you would ordinarily think. And that's, you know, from this trip that I just recently took on the West Coast. Take, take a trip. step back and tell us sure. about this trip. Yeah. Uh, three cities, <clears throat> Seattle, Los Angeles, and Santa Barbara. Uh, CFA societies, Charter Financial Analyst Societies, which the thing to recognize is that even though the name has analysts at the end, predominantly when you leave the New York area, they are primarily on the buy side, portfolio managers, financial advisors, wealth managers, etc., family offices, and they are a very good resource, I find, for the sentiment of their clients uh, as well as their thinking and, and frankly, you know, new all-time highs, but they're not. You know, they're not drinking the Kool-Aid. So, but isn't that a good thing if you're bullish in the market that you want all these people who keep worrying about the want next shoe to drop and yeah. stock market just keeps going higher? Eventually, doesn't a client call and say, you know, what have you been doing with <laughs> exactly, my yeah. money? Yeah, uh, that kind of thing, yeah. and, and that becomes one of the bulls' arguments, which is uh, that you know you still have more people to convert, and it is only when you get to the end of that period when you have so many that are much more bullish. If you remember back in the 06 and 07 period, you know it, w- it was hard to find a bear. And when I was doing events then, as I as I have been over the years, uh, the typical thing you'll hear is give me an actionable idea. And yet every single event, these three, plus the other ones we've talked about in the past that I've done, I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that sentiment yet. And so, yes, is that a bullish? uh, There is a way to look at it from a bullish point of view. Yeah. So if this is the point, then who's wrong? I mean, who's going to, I mean, eventually, right? I mean, don't, doesn't something have to happen? Or maybe sure. it just goes on and, you know, you get your 2.5% or less yeah. if you're in a money market fund. You get a lot less. Or if you're in a bank, right? I mean, you get zero. Sure. They ding you actually for the, you know, sure. the fees and all that. So what happens? Someone calls and says, look, you got to get me in. Yeah, I, I think that that actually, interestingly, uh, Pim, I think that that happens a bit more on a professional investor side, particularly with hedge funds well, you and gotta, hedge fund managers. You've got to justify the fees that you're you charging the and the exactly. fact that if, you, you know, if you're a professional money manager, right. uh, you say, well, why am I doing something that you can so just as poorly at home. <laughs> exactly. One of the things to take into consideration is is the fact that if if someone is managing somebody's money and they're doing it on a lower risk basis, then the risk adjusted return, while the absolute return, meaning let's say that they made eight percent and the market made twelve percent, the absolute return is below the actual return of the market, but they took much less risk. And by taking much less risk, their risk adjusted return for their needs. 
for that person's needs is perfectly suitable. And, and that's where you, you don't get into the friction. Where you, and you don't also get into the friction for, with these kind of individuals at these events that I did where they're providing wealth management services. You know, so there's a big chunk of money that's out there. So they're doing other things to retirement planning, estate planning, insurance planning, that kind of thing. And then there's asset management that's there. Where it really hits home is with the institutional investor, which uh, which the hedge fund specifically, where you have a pension fund that's giving money to a hedge fund manager. And, hey, guess what? You guys aren't beating your benchmark. You're not beating the broad market. And you're not doing it on a risk-adjusted basis. That's where the, really the big pressure I see is. What does that do then potentially to kind of the market action that we ultimately see? I think that the bull's case would be that there's more to come. Right. Um, And uh, the psychology, you know, you need to have more of the uh, bullish enthusiasm absorbed. That means that people are more invested in. And that means that you have less in the way of those to convert. And therefore, you have less, uh, you know, buying power that that's sitting on the sidelines. That that's the argument in that regard. The counter argument to that would be that, and I think the Wall Street Journal ran an article about this. I, I forget where. I think it was Wall Street Journal ran an article about how the the so-called um, unsophisticated money, the average investor type. Which again, remember, these are average investors. It could be high net worth, granted, but they're not sophisticated investors. They're not going through the dark pools. Then. <laughs> No, they're not going to the dark pools. No, exactly. So they they are uh, they're comfortable. They're comfortable in the mix that they have there. But also the sentiment I get is that they there is a high degree of concern and uneasiness uh, with you know where this market is at, the change structure of the market. Um, my presentation at these events is beware the next black swan, and it resonates. It really does resonate. It's unsettling when they look at how much the world has changed over the last several decades, economically and financially, and they're having an uncomfortableness in terms of understanding what's going on. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes, my cycle hums, ready to race to you. These days are on. Yes, happy days. Whatever, Vinny Catalano, the president and global investment strategist at Blue Marble Research, joining us in the studio has to say, we've got Linda Dissel, senior equity strategist, senior portfolio manager, federated investment management, joining us from Pittsburgh, where Linda sees some happy days. Linda, thanks for being with us on Bloomberg. Uh, we just got listening to, uh, finished listening to uh, Vinny Catalano sort of describe the uh, the. I don't know the doldrums, the uh, the depressed, the anxiety-ridden investor Concerns, that won't yeah. invest in the stock market because they're waiting for a catastrophe to strike. Uh, well, what do you believe? Do you believe that there's a black swan event lurking at every corner? Yes. Well, uh, I had a really terrific time traveling with Vinny, and he makes very many excellent points uh, and reminds us that this is not our grandfather's stock market and that we have a lot of concerns and a lot of things to be worried about now, and they probably aren't going to go away. And I explained to the audience in my happy talk that, you know, I've been traveling the country for the last six years and hearing these worries and reminding people and saying to people, I respect every worry that you have. However, at the end of of it all, the valuation of the market is based on earnings, and the price I'm willing to pay for those earnings. Earnings have had the strongest V-shaped recovery in the history of the land, 
and the price I'm willing to pay for them versus history in a time of low and positive inflation, it's not that expensive. So I have said this is the most beautiful wall of worry, which the market climbs, that I have seen in my nearly 30-year career. Ah, but Linda, earnings, you know, companies can kind of massage them, manipulate them, um, and can do a lot of things, especially in an environment that, like we've had in the last few years, uh, such a low-rate environment. Doesn't that kind of skew the real picture here? Well, you know, we, we did have we – wor- we always worry about whether or not companies will try to massage their numbers, and the good student of the market understands how they got their earnings. What, in fact, we have seen is – record corporate profit margins that really surprised even the most bullish of it. And when we pull back the onion, which any good analyst would do, we find that there are legitimate reasons for this. Uh, the weak dollar has helped give, give the United States an export boom, as half of the revenues of this S&P 500 are to outside the U.S. That's for real. Co- uh, corporate cost cutting has been for real. Now, we don't expect to get much more out of that, and we really do need the job situation to get better for continued move, movement upward in the stock market. But we see jobs coming, and the last four months have given us a nice, steady 200,000-plus on jobs. We see record low interest rates, which actually have helped corporations shore up their balance sheets, and that's for real as well. So we find record cash in corporate balance sheets lets them be healthy for when the next inevitable recession occurs. And there's a lot of good fundamental reason to be bullish out there. Okay, if I can just add something to what Linda said, uh, and just to take take a, one aspect of the point that you brought up, Carol, um, uh, the in, in terms of the accounting conventions that can alter earnings, that's an absolutely excellent and legitimate point. And uh, on an individual company basis, maybe an industry basis, um, one would ne- really need to dig in and investigate that to make sure that that is not, you know, what is occurring. Uh, on balance, though, in the, uh, I think in the aggregate, you're not seeing that. I think the points that Linda brings up are excellent points in there, and, and, and no disputing that. The thing that what we did in our presentation, Linda gave an excellent presentation in regards to a lot of the things that I would classify as more traditional, rooted in CFA-like uh, analysis. The points I was bringing up, and Linda Linda made mention of this, is it's not your grandfather's stock market. It's not your grandfather's economy. Everything's changed over the last number of decades. And one of the things that I find that's very disturbing to me is how much the market structure has changed over the last number of decades. And what does that mean? What is the potential of something like that where there can be a black swan event that occurs? Because you've got this complex financial system that the regulators in various jurisdictions do not have a full grasp and understanding. They can't keep up with it. They can't keep up with it. You have a regulatory arbitrage taking place all throughout the world, like you have the labor arbitrage. So you've got a whole range of issues that are there. And my only argument was very simply this. If that is If that is true, if you buy into any aspect of what I'm saying, then is it justified to have a price-earnings ratio that is above average in this environment when you have those kind of things plus extraordinary central bank actions, et cetera, which I can get into a whole other discussion in that regard. So that was the central area that I focused in on. And, you know, it was was a good, healthy uh, discussion and debate that, that Linda and I had. Linda Dissel, do you have any, uh, any reaction, any thoughts to what Vinny said? Uh, yes. 
And thank you, Vinny, for your kind comments. I hope we can travel again together. In just about um, 20 we, seconds here, Linda. We spoke about P.E. ratios being above average. In a period of low positive inflation, they're not so high. And at the peak in 2000, when everybody was euphoric, they were extremely high, way higher. The bottom line is, I, as a boomer, I'm going to live till 95. We have to invest for me so that my money lives longer than me. With all the concerns that, that Vinny has brought up, our best idea is a diversified yield strategy. Mm. Got it. Linda, thank you so much. Linda Dissel over at Federated Investment Management. Of course, our thanks always to Vinny Catalano of Blue Marble Research. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio. Taking stock weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern in New York on Bloomberg 1130, in Boston on 1200 a.m. and 94.5 FM HD2, or on Sirius XM Satellite Radio Channel 119. Copyright 2014, Bloomberg LP.